It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Vince Lombardi once said, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, talk to us anytime at ChristianQuestions.com or our social media channels. Download some after-episode extras, such as our thorough Seeker Rewind show notes and our bonus Bible study questions available on our individual episode pages. And look for new videos for all ages every week at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what's on the table for today? Well, Rick, our question is, how do I avoid burnout Part 2. And our theme text is found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Wow. That's a pretty serious comment by the prophet Elijah. And we're talking about burnout. Folks, burnout is nasty. As we we found out in part one of our two-part series, burnout can demoralize and diminish the efforts and quality of care from medical professionals and first responders. But burnout doesn't stop there. Even though the rest of us may not have others' lives in our hands, burnout is more than capable of continuing to ruin lives if we let it. Well, this is an ever-growing and worrisome phenomenon. The good news is that it can be handled. Whether we're regular people who get overly inundated with the unrelenting pressures of work or family and social issues, or we find ourselves feeling like we are drowning under the weight of Christian responsibilities, there are answers. So coming up in today's podcast, when you get burned out, you lose your way, and the result is lonely hopelessness. Both Moses and Elijah faced the very same burnout challenges that we face today. In segments one and two, we're going to examine what happened to them to get them to that all-too-familiar place. Once you figure out why you're burned out, does that solve the problem? Actually, no. In segments three and four, we examine why burnout just doesn't go away once it's recognized. And finally, what does victory over burnout look like? It's probably different than you think. We lay it all out in segment five. Rick, the really good news is these answers have both biblical and medical foundations. And we really want to have that as a, as a basis for us, biblical and medical foundations for the answers. We are bringing Julie back again. Julie, we're talking about burnout. You were with us on part one. Thanks for coming back for part two. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. So, at, so in, go ahead. Well, in part one, I had brought my friend Hannah, remember, who our medical professional. She's um, a, a, what is that, nurse practitioner. And she gave us a great understanding with different types of burnout. And I was a little surprised to see that some of the similarities in the faithful servants of God, there's a direct link to the people in the Bible that we can look for for answers and inspiration. And boy, last week's episode, that was 1116. 
with this coronavirus going on, I do feel for our medical professionals and what they're going to have coming up for them. Yeah, and you know, we wanted to just take a moment and 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 just address the the coronavirus and the the dramatic reaction and the the the, the fear that's in the eyes and lives of so many people at this point. We are actually planning on doing a podcast on the virus in the next several weeks. We're kind of weighing out circumstances and so forth, and going to try to give it a, a biblical perspective. But in the meantime, folks, this is it's a serious thing. And we feel for all of the frustration that everybody's going through and, and just want to say, yeah, we're with you. We're, we're going through the same kinds of difficulties, same kinds of challenges. And what we're looking forward to is presenting uh, kind of a, a, the big picture effect. You know, God is not bringing the coronavirus on the human race. But what does it mean? Does it have any meaning for us in terms of scripture, in terms of prophecy, in terms of future? We'll be getting to that soon. But in the meantime, uh, really stay safe. So, folks, let's get started. This is part two of a very important two-part series on burnout. And we're going to start with a, a soundbite from uh, Hama, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Hamza Khan. This is a TED, TED Talk, and we took pieces of the TED Talk. The talk is called The Burnout Gamble. It's a great, great TED Talk. I'd recommend you all listen to it in its entirety. But he's just going to give us a little bit of a description to get us started. It always starts out the same. The compulsion to prove yourself. Came up, that's all me. No help, that's all me. All me for real. Me against the world. I'm going to hustle hard. I have so much to prove. And that leads perfectly into working harder. The 9 to 5 becomes the 9 to 7 becomes the 9 to 9. And before you know it, you're neglecting all of your needs. Your sleep, your food, your family, your friends. The things that are supposed to give you the energy to work hard you are now sacrificing for short-term gain. And this is where things start to get ugly. After this stage, you start to displace conflicts. Hamza, we have to talk right now. Not right now, I got too much on the go. And then you start to revise your values. The things that are supposed to be the foundations of your person, the values, the attributes, the beliefs that you hold dear suddenly become malleable. And boy, that is a powerful, powerful thought that the things that you once held dear become malleable. They become shapeable to whatever it is you're going through. And you just are so focused on the burnout circumstance that just has crept in, has taken over your life. And, and just Julie, just like you said, Hannah was a great example of having that happen to her in the medical, her medical career and how she managed it. So folks, to understand burnout, part two, is going to begin with the stories of Elijah and Moses, two incredibly faithful Old Testament servants of God. Both did monumental things in God's service, and both both of them also despaired of life. And we're going to suggest these stories to be pictures of spiritual burnout, as well as job and life-related burnout, as we shall see and explain as we go forward. We wanted to recommend to our listeners the three-part series on Elijah. That was episodes number 954, The Power of Courage, 956, The Power of Submission, and 958, The Power of Legacy. So if you wanted to know anything about Elijah, boy, these are the three the three episodes to go to, and you'll be all caught up. 
Okay, so we're going to do those two stories now. And just let me say that, you know, as we go through the stories, um, we're going to frame it a little bit differently than we normally would. Uh, Jonathan, you're going to be the voice for Elijah for us. So as we go through the pieces of Elijah's story, Jonathan is going to be presenting those pieces for us. When we talk about Moses, Julie will be representing the experiences of Moses and how he deals with burnout. And each segment, we're going to start out with the difficult parts the negative, if you will, and then we're going to go to the solution. And it's amazing how both of them went through the same kinds of things, and it shows us how common this all is. So our story format is going to be very specifically, you're going to go back and forth between uh, Jonathan and Julie, uh, Elijah and Moses, and lay out what burnout is all about. So Jonathan, why don't you get us started? The first point here is feeding the raging fire of burnout, and that's what we do. Burnout is a raging, out-of-control fire, and we feed it. The first point on how we feed it, this is, don't try this at home, okay? Wear yourself out and get nowhere trying. So, Jonathan, the spiritual burnout story of Elijah. Well, Elijah is probably the most famous of Israel's prophets. He confronted face-to-face the idolatrous, evil king Ahab for worshiping Baal. He prophesied a drought and a famine as consequence for Ahab's evil. And in 1 Kings 17, 8 through 24, he performed a miracle for a widow where her food multiplied and he revived her dead child. In, in a dramatic showdown, he challenged 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And that was found in 1 Kings 18, 17 through 40. Baal, King Ahab's false god, could not consume the sacrifice without using fire. Then Elijah made an altar to Jehovah and even soaked the offering in the wood with water three times until it was overflowing. And Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven and the offering was consumed. The drought ended, but rather than turn to God, Ahab's wife Jezebel vowed to kill Elijah. Even though he was faithful and successful in the Lord's work, Elijah became depressed, rejected and isolated even to the point of wishing for death. He was burned out. We pick up the story at this point. And spiritual burnout, Elijah overcame insurmountable odds as he stood for God and as a result was faced with being hunted down. Now we're going back to our theme text uh, with a little bit more detail. 1 Kings 19 verses 3 through 5. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He lay down and slept under the juniper tree. Now, Rick and Julie, let's ask a question. Is this the reward for successfully and courageously standing for and serving the living God? Well, you know, it's (laughs) the reward is doing the work, and sometimes the result is not what we expect or what we think or what we want or what we hope for, and the reward is finding God, finding solace in whatever the providence of God brings us. So is this the reward? In a way, yes, but in a way, no, because Elijah is now actually despairing of life. And boy, you get to the point where he says to God, take my life. 
I'm no better than my fathers. Think of the depth that you have to get to. That's burnout. That's absolute burnout. And we're going to track what happens with that as we go through parts of the story of Elijah to continue. But what happened? You know, it's like all the miracles he accomplished had no value. He's coming down from this huge spiritual high of all these prophets of Baal being destroyed. And he's now got this false sense of failure, but he's so exhausted that he's not thinking rationally. And I think that's a good lesson for us is that when we're physically exhausted, we start saying crazy things like <laughs> like he just did. Yeah, and you know, the other the other thing, and we'll get to this more in the solution, but you know, it's like, well, I, I failed. Well, actually he didn't. We'll unfold that in a few minutes or as we go through the podcast. So we've got that issue there. So now we've got Elijah showing this desperation for his very life because he worked so hard and it seemed to him to be such a failure. So Julie, take us now to our job or life burnout through the experiences of Moses. All right, well, we're going to drop in on two events in Moses's life when he experienced burnout. This is after the 10 plagues of Egypt, after the burning bush, the golden calf, and receiving the 10 commandments. So in the latter part of Moses's life, he's responsible for about 2 million Hebrews living in the wilderness. Our first story is from the book of Exodus, and Moses is sitting as a judge, and he's hearing people's cases. And we're going to see that he was burning out by trying to do too much instead of delegating the work. The second story we're going to drop in on is the book of Numbers. And Moses got completely overwhelmed by the constant complaints of the people. And with leadership and responsibility comes great stress, if not managed properly. So let's drop in now on that first one where uh, the, the Hebrews are all in the wilderness. And by God's direction, Moses rescued the nation from the slavery of Egypt, but found himself completely buried by the challenges of his everyday life experiences of leading that nation. So Exodus 18, 14 to 16 says this. Now, when Moses's father-in-law said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, well, because the people come to me to inquire of God, I judge between a man and his neighbor, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So that, that ends the quote. So Moses goes from being this leader and a hero standing against Pharaoh to bring the people to freedom to basically somebody stuck behind a desk. <laughs> Realistically, he probably would have been seated in a public area, but all day he's handling this never-ending line of disputes. So... And he's just doing what's in front of him, and it's overwhelming. So, you know, Elijah is despairing of life, and Moses is stuck in this position of just handling all of these things, and it just—both of them are wearing themselves out, and they seem to be getting nowhere trying, okay? That's part of getting into burnout. So when we look at that, that's, those are some symptoms that we can all have. So how do we handle that? You know, that's how you feed the raging fire of burnout. You wear yourself out, get nowhere trying— to douse the raging fire of burnout, to douse it, here's what you do. You rest so you can reset. And that's not an easy thing necessarily, but it's a necessary thing. Rest so you can reset. You know, when Hannah was here last week on part one, she talked about how her friends and church family are her reset button. You know, even though she may be helping some of us with medical issues periodically, we're the reset. So you need to rest to reset in some way. 
Okay, and for everybody, that can be very, very, very different. The key is you need to find that and see the value of resting and resetting. So, Jonathan, spiritual burnout, we're looking at Elijah primarily as that spiritual burnout example. Rest and reset to douse the raging fire of burnout. What happens next? Well, in his despair, Elijah rests to give up, but instead is strengthened to go on. Here's what happens in 1 Kings 19, verses 5 and 6. There was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at the head a baked bread, a baked a bread cake, baked on a hot stone and a jar of water. So we ate and drank and lay down again. So even in his weaknesses, God directs providences to strengthen us, or him, and directs him. And at this point, he is not done. Now, Rick and Julie, doesn't God find a way to refresh us when we are kind of at the breaking point and all of a sudden, there it is, the Lord provides someone, a miracle or something to, to give, get us back? You know, it's interesting because Elijah's at the point where he just said, take my life, I'm useless, you know, I, I, I should die. And God's response essentially is to send that, that help that rest, that nourishment, because he wasn't done. And so, yes, God does provide us those things. The question is, are we looking for them? And when they come, are we willing to accept them? I thought it was interesting here that this was clearly a supernatural event. You know, he didn't wake up to find a bunch of fruit had naturally fallen from a tree around him. This was an actual baked cake on hot stones. That was truly from the Lord. And we all like baked cake. Don't we? I do. <laughs> okay. We do indeed. All right. So let's not get off track. Uh, so, uh, so with Elijah, he was given that supernatural, that extra help to help him to reset. And again, he's resting, and he's given something to prod him to use that positively, even though he's giving up. So now, for our job burnout, our life burnout, Julie, take us to some of the experience of Moses. Moses also was strengthened by God's messenger with a practical and godly solution. I'm going to read Exodus 18, 17 to 20, and I'm going to stop and comment as we go. So it starts with, Moses's father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. And it wasn't good for Moses himself or the interests of the people he was caring for. Jethro, his father-in-law, cared for him, and he noticed what was happening and made it his business to give him loving counsel. Are we looking out for others in this way? And Jethro went on to say this, you will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the way they are and the work that they are to do. So when he said, then teach them, you want to invest in others so that your workload is spread. And this is sometimes difficult when we think something like, well, it's just faster for me to do it, or we know that we can do it better. And we can come back to this throughout the program, but this is a good place, I think, to talk about delegation. From a natural standpoint, this applies to dividing up duties in a marriage, in a household with children or at work, or even families caring for the elderly. We can give older ones tasks to help, like folding towels or organizing a drawer so they feel contributory. For witnessing work like Christian Questions, I help to organize the volunteers of our various departments, like our newsletter, our social media, and the website. 
And co-laboring really helps spread the time burden and the emotional responsibility to our truly better than one. And training others may be a good investment in the long run. You know, and, and three are better than two and four are better than three and so forth and so on. And, and the interesting thing for both Elijah and for Moses is when they were ready, you've heard this, the, the, the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, when the burned out one is at least open, the, the help will come forward. You just have to recognize it. Moses was given help. He was handed help by his father-in-law. And Elijah is handed help by an angel of God. So reset. Let God's providence help us find the things in our lives to draw us to that resting and resetting. So at the end of each segment, and we, we want to just give a, a, a statement of burning brightly rather than burning out. Burning brightly rather than burning out. Jonathan, what is that here? Realize the responsibilities you are given are a privilege. Also, accept your limitations as guidelines for how to accomplish that privilege. And I love what it says in Psalm 61, verses 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. For the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And just because we've been able to do it all before doesn't mean we can't break. And that's something that's really, really important to recognize. You know, things change, circumstances change, responsibilities change, and we need to see God's providence in the ability to be able to set back, rest, and and look forward. And, you know, we, we talked about five steps, uh, pieces of the pathway to getting away from burnout. And we want to review those very, very briefly in this in this podcast today. So from last week, the first piece of that pathway was don't own what's not yours. Your trauma, your circumstances, and your future all belong to God. Remember that. And that gives us permission to rest and to reset because the future is not ours, it's His. And we really need to see that. So understand that as long as we truly seek God's will, our limitations are acceptable and even blessed. It is one thing to admit we are overwhelmed. How do we learn to manage those heavy burdens? Our team of volunteers are accomplishing amazing work every week as we release new audio, video, and web content, helping create the Christian Questions Multimedia Ministry. There's several ways you can get more involved in our not-for-profit mission. Click on Support CQ in our main menu on ChristianQuestions.com. Managing circumstances that are unwieldy must begin with properly assessing what the issues are and then planning a systematic response. Burnout short-circuits this kind of logic and presses us further into the feeling of failure rather than looking up for what might be obvious answers. And it's really important to recognize as we just get started with the two stories of Elijah and Moses in terms of understanding burnout, they both had obvious answers in front of them in these two particular circumstances. And um, with with Moses, we're actually going to go back and forth between two different events. But in this first event, Jethro, his father-in-law, gave him concrete solutions to work with. Elijah was given an angel of God, and you really don't get too much more blatant in terms of help than God's angel baking you a cake, even. I mean, let's get it right. So you've got the answers there. Let's continue um, the look at burnout by going back to the podcast, the, um, I'm sorry, the TED Talk from uh, Hamza Khan, The Burnout Gamble. 
And in this segment, he's going to be talking about the challenge of diminished values. You know, you start off every day with a finite amount of willpower. And with every decision you make during that day, some of that willpower is eroded. This is a concept known as ego depletion. Now imagine being in a state of ego depletion perpetually. And then you start to deny the problems that you're having. Hamza, your work is suffering. No, it's not. What are you talking about? Hamza, you're not pulling your weight. Yes, I am. People become antagonistic to you. And then you begin to withdraw naturally. You pull away from work. You pull away from your family. You pull away from your friends. And before you know it, a certain randomness begins to creep into your life. You start drinking, maybe. You start smoking, maybe. Maybe not. Things that you didn't think you would do, you're certainly starting to exhibit now. You're starting to do things that people are noticing as odd. And then you begin to diminish and devalue the role of people in your lives. Your coworkers, your family, your friends are less than humans now. They're just these nagging voices in your life that you want to get away from. Nobody's good enough. So what you've got here is this sense of what once was absolutely the driving valuable forces in your life now become diminished, and they are in the way. And when you get to that point, you have to look up and say, wait, something is dramatically wrong here. And so this is a really great uh, perspective to say, when my values get diminished, I've got to look at what's really happening to me. So we're going to go back to Elijah and to Moses feeding that raging fire of burnout. You know, the first point was wear yourself out and get nowhere trying. The second point now, don't try this at home, okay? Point two, separate yourself and shut others out. That's not what we want to do, but that's what we end up doing when we get into this burnout cycle. So Jonathan, spiritual burnout, the story of Elijah, why don't you get us going on that again? Though cared for and strengthened, Elijah was not ready to respond. He needed further attention and repeated direction. Continuing in 1 Kings 19, verse 7, The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. We easily shrug off the kind of help we may need because we're far too consumed with our own thinking and conclusions. But if it comes from an angel, from God, you'd better listen. <laughs> but didn't Jonathan read that Elijah had a trusted servant with him back in 1 Kings 19? Yes, he did. But he left him there and he isolated himself unnecessarily. So there was no one to be accountable to or to give counsel or correct his irrational thinking. We are part of the body of Christ and we're not supposed to be doing this alone. Right, right. And, and so, so Elijah... Uh, has this angel come a second time because the first time wasn't enough. Now, whether Elijah wasn't ready or he needed more nourishment, whatever it is, the point is the angel's not giving up because Elijah is not done in God's service. Even though in his mind he is, he's really not. And so he's looking to try to separate himself, but this, this, this tenacious angel keeps saying, here, eat more, get up, eat, you need to do this. And Elijah complies. You know, it's hard to argue with an angel of God. I think Jacob tried that once, didn't work out so well for him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but again, we don't want to isolate ourselves and shut others out. It's dangerous to us. So 
that's Elijah's example here. Julie, what about Moses in our in our job and life burnout experiences? How does Moses help us, you know, in this in this area of separating ourselves and shutting others out? Well, we're now going to drop in on our second story in the book of Numbers. And it's been about two years since they've left Egypt. The people are in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, and they start to complain about food. Now, see, I relate to this because <laughs> I love food. <laughs> um, even though they were slaves in captivity, they complained that they don't have the fish, the garlic, the cucumbers that they used to eat back in Egypt. So is that amazing? They would have rather been slaves as long as they got melons. And I really hope that this wouldn't be me, (laughs) but it's something to think about. Do we complain about what we don't have or are we thankful for what we do have? And all they're getting in this lousy wilderness is miraculous manna sent to them every single day. God's mad. And now Moses is really fed up with the people's demands and he's getting overwhelmed without a solution. He's responsible for these people as a leader and it's getting worse. So Numbers 11, 10 to 12, we're going to read from the easy living version so that we can get a good sense of the emotions. Uh, People from every family were sitting by their tents and complaining. The Lord became very angry, and this made Moses very upset. He asked the Lord, why did you bring this trouble on me? I'm your servant. What did I do wrong? What did I do to upset you? Why did you give me responsibility over all these people? You know I'm not the father of all these people, but I must take care of them like a nurse carrying a baby in her arms. Why do you force me to do this? Why do you force me to carry them to the land that you promised to our fathers? Oh, dear. Um, It was just too much. The voices of the people were just too loud and demanding, and it's easy to see how even a great man can fall apart when there's no apparent way out, but what a... What a way to talk to God. Why are you forcing me to carry them when you promised this land to our fathers? You know, kind of a throwback to Job. We talked about Job last week, and, you know, Job has this, this gets the skewed view of God. And, and Moses in this little section, why, 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 what, why, what? I mean, he's just again and again and again because he's so frustrated. He doesn't know how to handle the stress of his life, and he's burned out as a result. So you can see that. Moses saw himself as a solo act. Elijah saw himself as a solo act. Both of them were great men in the service of God, and both of them were at a position where they're like, I can't do this. I just can't. I can't. And it was deeply troubling to them. So they're in that separating themselves and shutting others out stage. So to douse that raging fire of burnout, to douse the separation of ourselves and shutting others out, what do we need to do? We need to reveal our vulnerability and frustration by accepting help. Reveal it by accepting help. Not just feigning accepting help, but actually accepting help. So again, let's go to the solution, the revealing vulnerability. That's hard to do, to, be, to, to let yourself be vulnerable to somebody else. Let's go to the example of Elijah, Jonathan, and spiritual burnout. Well, after receiving strength a second time from the angel, Elijah is now able to continue in his service. 1 Kings 19, verse 8. So he arose, ate, and drank, and went in strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, wow, that must have been some kind of bread cake and water. (laughs) He walked 40 days and 40 nights on just those two meals. Now, an important point, 
Um, the help led Elijah to an unforeseen destination. Here he would begin the process of refocusing. You know, that's an energy bar that I'd like to get a piece of. <laughs> but, you know, and, and that's the important thing is Elijah wasn't done with his work, but what did it cost him? A journey, a huge journey of 40 days and 40 nights to go through this whole long process to get to where God needed him to be. And it shows that God required a lot from Elijah. And as long as he relied on the help that was given to him, he was vulnerable to that help. He could actually make progress. And 40 days and 40 nights sound familiar. Is this here <laughs> for a reason? Because Moses, on my side, he was in the wilderness for 40 years. Yeah, and remember Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, and there are several other 40, 40 experiences. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a, I think there's a, a 40 experience with Noah. I can't remember what it is. There's like nine of them in, in, throughout the scriptures, and, it, and it's a period of testing. It's a period of proof. It's a period of putting things in perspective, and when we're in the burnout situation, that's what we need. We need to put things in perspective. So, Julie, we, we've looked at Elijah gaining strength, and that was the key that Jonathan gave us. He gained strength, and he went this incredible journey. What about in our, our job, and our life, and our burnout? How does Moses help us with the revealing our, our vulnerability and getting help? We're going to go back to our original story. Remember the one with Moses and his father-in-law Jethro? And Jethro just gave him some specific, logical, and God-based solutions as he gave him some help as a solution. So remember, Moses was exhausted trying to settle the disputes of these people all day long. So Jethro tells him in Exodus 18, 21 and 22, the following. Furthermore, you shall select out of all people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you'll place these over them as leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. So the solution was pretty obvious, delegate, and, and they did it in very organized fashion, but Moses had, was blinded in his own mind from actually seeing that solution, so it took Jethro bringing it to him to get some sort of relief. So the point was there were other capable individuals around, but Moses wasn't set up to see it in his own mind. It took another set of eyes that were concerned about Moses, that were concerned about the work that needed to be done, and took those two concerns and put them together and showed him a way through. See, burnout we often just can't get out of. We have to find a way through it. And this was a great way through it to listen to his father-in-law, which incidentally wasn't um, with all the people. He ended up after this whole story going back to his own, own place. And it's kind of interesting that he sort of drops in, sees Moses, sees what's happening, helps him, and then leaves. He helps him in a godly way. God's providence provides. If we become vulnerable to the help sent to us, we can actually find really important solutions. And that takes a lot of humility to do that. So, to burn brightly and to not burn out. Again, we want to burn, okay? You, we want to be consumed in the service of God. To burn brightly and not burn out, Julie, what do we need to do here? We want to accept godly help with an open mind, even if it doesn't feel right. And for that, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. 
And our goal is to work for the Lord in everything we do. We want to do this in the most efficient, God-honoring way possible. When we're completely dedicated to a team approach, to the mutual protection we supply one another during trials, we can work harder. And co-laboring for the Lord is a huge blessing. We can be be a blessing, but we can also receive a blessing without taking too much if we co-labor. But I have a question. Aren't there scriptures that say that we should be exhausting ourselves and working in the Lord's service? Isn't it good to be able to give our all until we really have nothing left? Yep, it is. However, to give your all till you have nothing left for tomorrow is not the smart way to go. What we need to do is give our all so through whatever the length of our lifetime is, we still have the energy to serve God. And that's where the teamwork comes in. And Christianity, folks, is a team sport. It truly, truly is. Yes, I am on trial for my own life, and uh, you, Jonathan, and you, Julie, can't, you can't manage that for me. But you can certainly help me bear the burdens of that trial of my life. That's the team sport. So yes, we should be exhausted in God's service, but not to the point of tomorrow being worthless in his service. And when we burn out, we become worth less in his service, and that's not what he wants from us. He wants us to rely upon one another to build each other up in this most holy faith. So good question on that, on that scripture, Julie. From last week, the second piece of the pathway that we talked about last week, remember this pathway to get away from burnout is a winding pathway. It's not easy. It's not straight. And the, the second piece of the pathway was be responsible for your present. And that's such an important point. The present belongs to us. It's our responsibility. What is next? What's the next right thing to do? And what's the next thing not to do? Just take care of the present. God takes care of the rest. That is an important principle to help ourselves continue to be vulnerable to one another in a positive way and by, by, by allowing our frustration to be divided, if you will, amongst, amongst others. So a perfect combination of events. Give the strongest leaders heavy enough responsibilities so they need help. Is giving a burdened individual the right kind of help the solution? What happens if they still falter? What's up, everybody? It's your CQ voiceover guy, reminding you we also want to talk to you before and after the podcast. Send us a message at ChristianQuestions.com for any and all feedback, or message us on our social media channels. Have a topic idea or just questions about what we're talking about? Reach out at ChristianQuestions.com. We've all heard the saying to err is human. Just because someone has, an appropriate, has the appropriate tools at their disposal doesn't mean they will rise out of the ashes of burnout and conquer. The recovery from the depths of burnout takes time, trust, effort, and most importantly, it takes a change of perspective. And if we don't change our perspective, we're not going to get out of the burnout. It's really that simple. The solution doesn't magically take you. It takes, you need to actually change the way you see things. And we're going to see that in, in the soundbite. We're going to go back to um, uh, Hamza Khan in the TED Talk he gave, The Burnout Gamble. And he's going to be talking about being burned out. And then comes the inner emptiness. 
Everybody's got goals, their own definitions of success. For the most part, you're able to visualize them, but when you're in this stage, stage 10, those goals become obscure. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you are. You begin to question everything. And then comes the depression. This is different than sadness. This is a deep, dark, pinging, throbbing pain, a hollowness, an emptiness, a perpetual haze over your life. And before you know it, you're burnt out. Physically, mentally, and emotionally, you're gone. Talk about sad. And see, the the thing is, we don't have to get there if we can just have a perspective that helps us see beyond that. The reality is we often do get there, and that's why we're talking about it. So when we're in that phase of feeding the raging fire of burnout, here's what we do. The third point of what we do, and again, folks, don't do this at home. Only focus on the hardship, the challenge, and the impossibility. When you're burning out or burned out, that's all you see. You just see the hardship, the challenge, and the impossibility. Not a good way to cope with life. So Jonathan, Elijah, our example of spiritual burnout, take us through him in this position of focusing on the hardship and so forth. Elijah had just been nourished and miraculously built up and yet only saw one thing. Now remember, he just came to Mount Horeb. We're continuing in 1 Kings 19 verses 9 and 10. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. Well, loneliness and failure are massively powerful emotions. Elijah's expectations and reality were in conflict. Well, he wanted to see the nation of Israel turn back to God. And I think he was thinking that this evil king and queen would either repent or God would remove them from power because he put in so much effort to, you know, turn Israel back, but nothing happened. And I think we can have that same unrealistic idealism and maybe even impatience with God. You know, we're doing all we can to proclaim God's kingdom and a hope for mankind, but people don't listen and nothing changes. And this can discourage us. So we've got to begin to ask ourselves the question, and this is where we're going to get to the solution in a moment, you know, what perspective do we need to change? But let me just give you a suggestion. This is a Rick suggestion, so incoming, I'm warning you now. You know, he gets to Mount Horeb, and he might be thinking, God, this is horrible. You know, uh, not horrible. Got it. Hor- oh. Yeah. Well, because yeah. look, he's in this horrible state of mind. It. Yeah, he's in this horrible state of mind. He can't get out of it, and God has given him energy to take this forty-day journey. And what's his response? It's useless. So he's so deep. And look, folks, we can relate to that. So, Julie, let's go on to our jobs, our lives, our burnout expressed through some of Moses' experiences. We're back to our food complainers, all right? They're sick of eating manna every day. They're waxing nostalgic of their time as slaves because at least the food was good. And Moses is at a breaking point. He saw God's providence as his own responsibility, like he had to solve this problem all by himself. So we're going to go back to Numbers 11, 13 to 14. Again, we're reading from the Easy Living Version. Moses says, 
I don't have enough meat for all these people. And they continue complaining to me. They say, give us meat to eat. I can't take care of all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. And, you know, Rick and Jonathan, he was right. He couldn't take care of all these people alone, but he didn't have to. But anyone would have folded under the pressure of trying to shoulder God's power through earthly means. He needed God. You know, and, and the interesting thing is he saw God's providence as his own responsibility. And do we get down, stuck in that, in, that, in, that, in that mode of thinking, that, that sense that it's all on me? Because the moment we get stuck with it's all on me, we're forgetting that, no, actually, we're just a conduit through which God's Spirit is supposed to flow. So this is a problem. You focus on the hardship, you focus on the challenge, and the impossibility. And for both Elijah and Moses, it was impossible. Elijah felt like an utter failure after his monumental efforts. And Moses is saying, I can't feed these people. I just can't. I can't do this. So what's the counteraction for that? How do we douse that raging fire of burnout? Well, the solution for both Elijah and Moses is listen. Let me repeat that again. Listen and change your position so you can see things differently. If you don't see it differently, you don't change. So, Jonathan, back to Elijah and spiritual burnout. What happens next? Well, God was about to further demonstrate to Elijah that his power and will can be manifest in unusual ways. Let's read 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12. So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great storm, wind was rending the mountains, and the peace breaking it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the wind after was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Elijah was likely focused on God's ability to destroy sin in a display of power, and yet God was not in any of those things. Now, wind, earthquake, and fire. Just a side note, how often is God blamed for disasters like these, and he may have nothing to do with them? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and Elijah is seeing the power of God. He has seen, you know, when he was facing off with the prophets of Baal, it was a dramatic, dramatic, dramatic scene. And the power of God was clearly evident. And Elijah figured such great display would change everything, and it didn't. But it did accomplish God's will. He just didn't know it yet. And so we have expectations based on previous experiences, and sometimes those expectations don't bring us where we need to go. So Elijah needs to be shown and so God is now teaching him. God is helping him douse the raging fire of burnout by showing him the wind, earthquake, and fire. Because what comes next is going to be the gateway for God opening the door. So put Elijah on hold for a moment. We'll come back to him later. Julie, what about our jobs, our lives, and, and our burnout and the story of Moses. Back to the original story now, right? The original. Yeah, back to Jethro's advice. Remember yes. the father-in-law. Yeah. So Moses was plainly told that a godly change of approach would give him peace again. We'll pick that up in Exodus 18, 23 and 24. Jethro is saying, if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you'll be able to endure. And all these people also will be able to go back to their place in peace. 
So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. You know, Moses was humble and he listened. And we have to be willing to hear advice from a trusted source who has our best interest in mind, especially from someone you know best, like perhaps your spouse. Taking action here removed burnout's fuel. And from a practical standpoint, how do we remove burnout's fuel? For my own example, uh, after being in a corporate environment for decades, my job was so stressful that I was coming down with autoimmune diseases and complete exhaustion. That's where on a Sunday night, your stomach lurches with the very thought of Monday morning. I know a lot of people know that feeling. I was absolutely burned out and I made the tough decision to take a four-month unpaid sabbatical and completely restructured my job when I returned. I realized many aren't going to have that kind of ability, but you need to find out what it is that will change the outcome for your own good and those around you. You're probably not going to solve the problem immediately. It might take years, but being able to formulate a goal, a way out, a plan, a hope. Remember Hannah last week? In her position as an emergency room nurse, she was burning out. And her solution was to go back to school, take on even more stress temporarily, and earn the degrees necessary to change her title and become a nurse practitioner. We can handle a lot as long as there's light at the end of the tunnel that isn't a train coming the other way. (laughs) But we need a plan. So this is the part where you just start to analyze and pick a direction. You know, and, and the, the important thing is to be able to listen to the input that's coming your way and to be able to change your position as a result. And you're right, it, does, it takes time. But folks, unless you change your stance, you won't change the burnout. And you don't change your stance unless you're listening from something from the outside. The answer is not necessarily going to come from within you. It's very few of us that can have that happen. For me, in a burnout experience, it took a car accident to make me stop and think and reconsider and rebuild my life. I literally had to be stopped dead in my tracks, literally have my car totaled and be out of work for weeks So I would finally listen. I am stubborn, and God took the stubbornness and said, okay, you're that stubborn. I could be more stubborn. So, so listen and change. Trust me. You know, you don't, don't want to go to that length. Okay. So, so Jonathan, to burn brightly and not burn out in this perspective. Follow instructions and implement. Even if you're not able to yet douse the fire of burnout, you will be taking strong steps to be able to do that soon. And that reminds me of Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring you forth in righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. And I was thinking, as Christians, we shouldn't become weary in well-doing. You know, that's in Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Also says, do good to all men. You know, I don't know, Rick and Julie, if this has ever happened to you, But no matter how crazy your life is, if you see a need and someone has it, or if you're asked to help someone, it strengthens you and it has a positive effect on your being, even though you're exhausted, doesn't it? It does. does. Yeah, it does. Um, I've had that experience several times and, you know, sometimes it, it brings on more stress, 
but it brings on greater blessing because you're following the providence of God. You're listening from something outside of you, and there's something very powerful about that. From last week, the third piece of the pathway to, this, to walking away from burnout, this winding pathway that's difficult to, 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 to walk upon, have concrete hope for the value of today's experiences. Have concrete hope for the value of what's happening today. Chaos creates clarity. Okay, now we've been talking about that for weeks, but it's such an important point. Chaos creates clarity. It's in the chaos that all of the elements are displayed that need to be dealt with. If we examine the chaos and find the pieces, we can then, then piece together where we need to go. So chaos is your friend if you are looking and listening and trying to change what's happening in your lives. Think about that. So the pathway that leads away from burnout looks like it's winding and longer for some than others. Just keep trying. Moses has bounced back more easily than Elijah. Does that mean Elijah was weaker and had less faith? Did you know we have one page companion Bible studies for our most recent podcast episodes? Listen to the episode, follow along with our CQ Rewind show notes, and for your own bite-sized Bible study or group study, check out the Bible study questions content. Go to ChristianQuestions.com and click on Bible study in the main menu. Have some study time and then contact us with any additional questions or comments. Now let's continue the conversation. One of the key factors in repelling burnout, and this is really key, is avoiding comparisons. Each of us, no matter how heroic we are or have been in our personal battles, uh, they're tailored for us. Elijah's courage and faith were not the issue. He was was processing a major victory like a major defeat. That's Elijah, okay? He's processing what was a major victory on the part of standing for God, and he was seeing it as a major defeat. He needed to find his resilience. He needed to find a way so that he could understand what was happening and put it in perspective and move his life forward. I want to go back to the TED Talk um, uh, soundbite from Hamza Khan, the burnout gamble, and he's talking about something very, very serious here. And, and folks, burnout is an international phenomenon. You'll listen in this particular soundbite. He, des- he describes that for us. Now, we're going to define stress as the result produced when a structure, system, or organism is acted upon by forces that disrupt equilibrium or produce strain. I had an unhealthy relationship with stress, but I wasn't alone. We are arguably in the golden age of stress. This is possibly the most stressful we have ever been as a species. But it's not just affecting us personally, it's affecting the entire economy. We're losing $300 billion a year in lost productivity caused by absenteeism, turnover, and healthcare expenditures. That also include death, I kid you not. The Japanese call it haroshi, the Chinese call it guolaosi. These words literally mean death by work. Death by work. Take that in. 1,600 people in China every day die from work. I'm not talking about laboring in the fields. I'm not talking about working in a factory. I'm talking about sitting behind a desk, staring at a screen for upwards of 10, 12, 15 hours a day, dying because of hemorrhage, internal failures, seizures. It's brutal. 
death by work. I mean, come on, let's, let's think about that and let's get serious about, is that the way you want your life to be reflected? We get into this situation and that's where we end up. We feed the raging fire of burnout. So another point, the fourth point on feeding that raging fire is, now, now listen to this carefully, obey, but obey half-heartedly. Minimize or hide from God's presence and his providence in your experience. Obey. Okay, I'll do what God says, but only do it half-heartedly. So, Jonathan, with Elijah and with spiritual burnout, how does this come out in his experience? Well, Elijah is being miraculously shown that God is present and above all. Shouldn't this change everything? Well, what comes after the wind, earthquake, and fire? 1 Kings 19, 12 through 14. After the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah simply cannot shake the isolation. As long as he remains isolated, he would be burned out. He can't get out of his own way. You know, and that's a, the exact way to put it. He cannot get out of his own way. And when we get into that burnout scenario, we can't get out of our own way. We get so stuck that all we have is our own thinking, our own actions, our own responses, and we are stuck. We can't get out of our own way. But here he's faithfully did everything he was supposed to, but he's met with these death threats from Jezebel. It's like no good deed goes unpunished. So it's easy to be hurt when our service for the Lord is criticized, when we're doing our best. But we need to still focus on Christ and not self. We can't be self-centered. That's, I think, the solution. Yeah, and, and sometimes easier said than done. You know, we all yeah. like to say, yeah, well, of course I'm, I'm you know, Christ-centered. But, but really, when we get into these situations, we end up really, it's, it really is all about me and my job and what I'm doing and my contribution and so forth and so on. So obey half-heartedly minimize or hide from God's presence and providence in your experience, in our jobs, in our life, in our own burnout. Julie, what about Moses and his experience? Mm, well, revisiting his isolation, we see that, you know, he kind of mirrors Elijah's and in Numbers eleven fifteen. again, the easy living version. This is the part with the complaining, the, the food complainers. Moses turns to God and he says this, if you plan to continue giving me their troubles, kill me now. If you accept me as your servant, let me die now. Then I will be finished with all my troubles. Well, here it is. This is ultimate burnout telling God, kill me now. And so never underestimate the overwhelming power of feeling like you're a failure and have been deserted. This is Moses, a man of God, couldn't take it. So if we feel this way, we can we can use him as the example. You know, and, and that's where Elijah was. He was in that situation like, my life has become worthless. Was it? No. Was Moses' life worthless? No. Did they feel that way? Yes. They needed that extra layer of help because they were stuck. You know, we, 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 you know the, the feeling of being and the power of being deserted is so incredibly overwhelming. We need to just be, be, be focused on managing it. So how do we douse 
that raging fire of burnout, that, that half-hearted obedience, that minimizing or hiding from God's presence and, pro- presence and providence in our experiences. For spiritual burnout, Jonathan, what about Elijah? Having seen God's display, Elijah is now given work to do. He is also given a plan, a plain answer to his isolation. Oh, by the way, God was in the gentle blowing, or in other translations, the still small voice. Let's read 1 Kings 19, 15 through 16 and verse 18. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel, king over Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Saphat, you shall anoint as a prophet in your place. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed down to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. God showed confidence in Elijah. He also revealed about 7,000 faithful men. This would set Elijah in motion once again. He was not alone. You know, and the interesting thing is God could have revealed the other 7,000 before the 40-day journey. He could have revealed the other 7,000 at any given time, but he didn't. He allowed Elijah to experience his own experiences, and at the appropriate time, he said, and by the way, this feeling of being the only one, I can show you, I can name 7,000 others who have not bowed a knee to Baal. So what you think is real is not real. Think of me when you want to see what's actually real. So you can see how go back to your God-driven destiny with assurance and direction. That's what this is about, your God-driven destiny and assurance of direction. God knows he'll help you look up, look around, and look outside of yourself. So Julie, with our job, our life, our burnout, and Moses, how does this God-driven destiny uh, help help him? Well, right after Moses said, kill me now, <laughs> God answers him. And this is in Numbers eleven sixteen to 17. The Lord said to Moses, bring to me 70 of the elders of Israel. These men are the leaders among the people. Bring them to the meeting tent. Let them stand there with you. I will come down and speak to you there. The spirit is on you now, but I will also give some of that spirit to them. Then they will help you take care of the people. And in this you will not have to be responsible for these people alone. So God had a clear and unequivocal answer. And again, delegation was the first step. God did not intend for Moses to burn out and be of no use to anyone. Step one was to bring in more help. And we're going to see step two in the next segment. So the interesting thing here is that not only does God say, I'm going to bring in help, but he says, you know, I've given you my influence, my power, my spirit to work with, I'm going to give it to them too. So he's letting Moses know the help that's coming is not only, they are not only good men, but they're going to have me working with them. And he gives Moses this whole incredible ability to let go. Just let go because God has got this. And, you know, to go back to our God-driven destiny with assurance and direction like we want to do with our burnout experiences— We've got to realize God does have this, but am I letting him keep it? God's got it. Great. But do you let him keep it? So, Julie, to burn brightly and to not burn out, what do we say here? Well, feelings aside, always keep listening for godly instruction. 
But this can only happen if we are very in tune to God's will, which comes from study and prayer. And this reminds me of Isaiah 30, 21. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So you feelings aside, and let's say it again, feelings aside, always listen for godly instruction. Folks, our feelings, our personal, quote, drive, perhaps our, quote, ego, are the things that bring us a lot of the burnout. And we've got to be able to back up and say, I need help. I need to put things in perspective. How do I do that? Always keep looking for godly instruction. Last week, we were talking about the pieces of the pathway to walk away from burnout. The fourth piece of the pathway we discussed last week that seems to fit right here is humbly accept the present with all of its hurt and harm as in the hands of immortal wisdom. Our presence, our present, our present harmful, difficult, trying experiences are in the hands of immortal wisdom. What better hands could you imagine putting your experiences in? So to have any hope of overcoming burnout, we need to have the same kind of tenacity that got us into trouble. If there was just one thing to remember that could keep us from burning out, what would it be? Other podcasts may have show notes, but we have the ultimate bonus episode show notes that simply go way beyond and are much more comprehensive. Look for the CQ Rewind show notes tab on our episode pages. And a big thank you to our Christian Questions volunteer team for releasing this exclusive content every week on ChristianQuestions.com. Boiling tough issues down to just one thing is never an easy task. Burnout takes our heart away from its true loyalty to God and introduces it to loyalty to a lie. The lie is that we are alone and incapable of managing our responsibilities. Believe in the truth of God's providence and not the lie of pride. We have to face the fact that we're not as big and tough and strong as we thought, and God's providence can give us the help necessary to see us through. Doesn't mean he's going to make our experiences easy. Doesn't even mean he's going to make our experiences pleasant. What it doesn't mean is he's going to make our experiences bearable so that we can learn from them, so that we can grow through them. Not going to be easy. And that is the most important thing. So our final piece of the uh, final soundbite from the burnout gamble from Hamza Khan, a TED Talk, is talking about the one value that's so critically important in all of this. Find that perfect space. Find that sweet spot of productive anxiety. For me, it was the first three stages. For you, it could be different. Whatever it is that's going to keep you in perpetual productivity with a little bit of anxiety. Another one. Reduce the impact of stress. A year and a half ago, a couple of friends and I got together and we wrote a blog. We produced a blog called Year One. And what we did is we reverse engineered the careers of 175 people who we deemed to be extremely successful. Athletes, politicians, artists, activists, you name it. And we distilled their careers down to a very early point in their lives to hone in on one particular attribute, something that has guaranteed them lasting success. And overwhelmingly, we found that one value gave the most guarantee of lasting success. 
Resilience. Resilience is your ability to adapt to stress. Resilience is such a valuable asset to have. When we talked about that last week. And Rick, uh, resilience, I think of a child. That's a childlike quality. We're supposed to be like little children as Christians. Well, when siblings fight and try to just tear into each other, two minutes later, hey, you want to go play? Yeah. It's like they bounce right back. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's exactly what we need to do. And we were talking uh, about this program and a quote that that you said uh, was so valuable. Be the person you are, not the person you sometimes feel like you are. You know, for those of us uh, who lose focus, doubt ourselves, or we have low self-esteem, until we're reminded, like Elijah and Moses, we have value in Christ. Don't be afraid. Move forward. And uh, I think that is an amazing perspective, Rick. Well, you know, and, and it's such an important thing because the final piece of feeding that raging fire of burnout, and again, don't try this at home. Be resigned to only see failure where God has led you. See, those two parts of the sentence don't fit together. See failure where God has led led you. God never leads us to failure. He leads us to experience, to growth, to maturity, and to eventual victory. But the victory doesn't come on our terms. It comes on his. But this is what happens when we are in burnout stage. We're resigned to see only failure where God has led us. And Jonathan, again, back to spiritual burnout and Elijah. You know, Elijah, we've gone through his experience and now let, let's wrap up that whole thing from the, from the negative side. Elijah never let go of what he had been given to do. And when it did not turn out to have the heroic ending he thought it would, he lost his focus and his drive. Now we're going to go back two chapters uh, when he was stronger in 1 Kings 17.1. Now Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, surely there will be neither dew nor rain these days except by my word. Elijah's initial proclamation, I represent the living God and he wants the loyalty of his people back. The end result did not seem as dramatic and bold as the beginning and it looked like he failed. And Rick, Elijah's paradigm really seemed like he was stuck in that resigned to see only failure, even where God had led him. And remember, God had led him to a point where he had actually revealed, hey, there's 7,000 others. But the story is not yet over. We're going to go back to Elijah one more time and see what he does with all of this in the end. So again, when we get resigned to that, that to, to only see failure where God has led us, it, we end up in, in trouble. Julie, go ahead. Well, I, you know, we're, we're using Elijah as the example of spiritual burnout, and that is if you feel God is away from you, or if you are perhaps like you and Jonathan, you know, ministry in the ministry. And I had a hard time finding some reliable statistics about those in ministry, but we can say a large percentage are on call 24 hours a day. They have to deal with conflict in their church, and the demands on time and energy can be difficult on spouses and family members. And congregations can have unrealistic expectations of their leaders, and all of these can lead to feelings of isolation and a sense of failure or self-doubt. So I think those that are proclaiming the word really need to be on special guard to spiritual burnout like Elijah was going through. Yeah, and, and you're right. And, and when, when you get into a position where, where, where others begin to rely on you, 
you feel that responsibility. But what you also must feel when you feel that responsibility is you must feel and recognize and acknowledge the fact that you are not there to fix anything. You are simply there to provide tools, encouragement along spiritual and biblical lines. And for me, that has been the out and how to manage those kinds of things. Know what my job is and know what my job is not. So very, very important for us to, to understand those things. So, so Julie, let's get to Moses and, and in our job and in our life and in the burnout we experience and the idea of only seeing failure where God has led us. All right. So from Moses' standpoint, sure, I've got 70 more helpers to listen to the people whine about food, but that still doesn't solve my problem. <laughs> so we go back to Numbers 11, 21 and 22. Moses said, there are 600,000 soldiers here, and you say, I will give them enough meat to eat for a whole month. If we were to kill all the sheep and cattle, that would still not be enough to feed this many people for a month. If we caught all the fish in the sea, it would still not be enough for him. So in Moses's mind, this is checkmate. Your God says we can feed, but there was no way for Moses to make this happen. He's right. There was no way for Moses to make this happen, and that's the point. <laughs> when we see it that way, we're burned out. When we can see it in a different way, when we begin to douse the raging fire of burnout, we can see it in a higher way, and that is to accept that God's providence is bigger than our own imagined results. Again, God's providence is bigger than our own imagined results. Humbly and consistently follow his plan. Not my plan, not my idea, not my ideals, but his plan. Because sometimes failure is success in his eyes for us right now. So Jonathan, let's get to the, to the positive side, the ending of this whole experience, in dousing this raging fire of burnout, following God's plan. How did Elijah end up doing just that? Elijah had done God's will and served with courage. He would now be called upon to pass on the bright burning torch of God's work, continuing in 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, where he was plowing. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss father and mother. Then I will follow you. Then he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? Oh, once Elisha said goodbye, he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Realize your role, no matter how significant it may seem, it is one of many cogs in the machinery of God's engine of righteousness. So the, the beautiful thing about Elijah is he does get up after all of that frustration and that angst and that anxiety and that burnout, and he does exactly what God tells him to do. And one of the jobs that Elijah had was to pass on the mantle of responsibility, literally the mantle, to Elisha, who would pick up his ministry. God had used Elijah, and he had, uh, had, had, God had blessed Elijah's work, and the blessing was, I get to now pass this responsibility on to others. And, and Julie, that's a lot of that. You, know, you talked about uh, de delegation earlier. And this really comes into play at this point. You know, make, we have to understand, I am just a tiny, tiny part of the big machinery that God has in place. Do not overestimate your role. 
do not overestimate what you do. So, Julie, the experience of Moses has a very dramatic ending here that, that you, <laughs> in our preparation, you know, we emailed back and forth, and, and Julie uh, had, had emailed me like, like, whoa, this is my new favorite scripture. So in our burnout, in our jobs, in our lives, and in, in accepting God's providence is bigger than our own imagined results, how, how did that turn out for Moses? Well, Moses now will take the word impossibility out of his vocabulary. This is my new favorite scripture. We should all memorize it and repeat it to ourselves when things get rough in the days ahead with all this uncertainty that we're seeing in the world. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Numbers 11.23. But the Lord said to Moses, don't limit my power. You will see that I can do what I say I can do. Whoa. (laughs) Don't limit my power. You will see that I can do what I say I can do. And I think we all need to trust that that's the way God is going to take care of us. Um, So we talked about step one. You know, he got these people, he got these 70 men to help him. But step two of what God did is found in the rest of Numbers 11. You remember these people were whining about food. The Lord brought quail in from the sea as far as one could walk a day in any direction. There were quail that were flying three feet off the ground, or depending on what translation you read, there were three feet of them, and people could easily catch them. And it says that the least anyone gathered was a hundred bushels. So they they asked for meat. Oh, they got meat. <laughs> and God delivered, but there were consequences that he there was a plague because they had complained against God's miraculous provisions. So the lesson is don't complain against God's miraculous provisions. Be content. And God's power is not limited. He can do what he says he can do, but the key is he does it what, what he says when he decides in his own way. And that's one of the keys in understanding burnout. God is bigger than us. He's smarter than us. He's stronger than us. He can see the future we can't. Let us use his eyes, not ours and accept the help, and put things in perspective, and get ourselves set to realize that it's bigger than me. Just stop already. Let's stop and reconsider and refocus and, 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 and rethink our position and understand that I am so finite, and God's wisdom is so infinite. So let's wrap this up to burn brightly and to not burn out. Jonathan, what's our, our final statement on that? What looks impossible or failed through the eyes of burnout may, through the power of God's providence, be the victory and answer we sought all along. And the perfect last scripture to read, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So the the, the point to wrap this up really is, is really simple. What looks impossible through our own little puny perspective is not only possible, but it is probable. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to miraculous be, miraculously be able to do the job that's burning you out. What it means is we need to be able to change our perspective to do what we are capable of in the sight of God with the providence of God driving us rather than our own ambition, rather than our own ego, rather than our own objectives and our own vision of what the future is. So our last piece of the pathway from last week, this pathway to get away from burnout, 
pray, not for God's guidance for your own experiences, but also, or not just for uh, God's guidance for your own experiences, but also for the experiences of others. Because inevitably, as we mentioned before, the Christian walk, this is a teamwork event. And if we, for one second, believe that I'm the most important thing, we've lost that part of the battle. Because it's God's presence, God's providence, God's spirit, and God's family that is most important. What we need to do is put ourselves in a position of being able to accept those things in our lives as being the, the most important things. Julie, any quick final thoughts? I'm springing this on you real fast. Uh, well, I, you know, you brought up the example of putting on your own oxygen mask before yes. you can help in others. And I think that's part of what this burnout is. We need to make sure that we stay spiritually healthy, physically healthy, and then we can be of great service to God and to those around us. Amen. Jonathan, thanks so much for your participation and for getting this story told. Folks, listen, burnout can be handled, but face the fact you can't handle it by doing what you're doing. You need to back up, let those around you who can guide you in godly directions guide you that way. Let God's providence show you that you are not the one. You are just one of many. Accept that humbly and move forward toward victory. Think about it. Listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode or other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, we'll be talking about how merciful am I? How merciful am I? Think about that one. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.